Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Welcome back to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Uh, this is a show that I uh, put on because I love talking about geeky things, and I thought that someone might be interested in listening to the conversations my friends and I have. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the first half of the sixth season of Once Upon a Time. But before that, uh, let's introduce our cast for this week. Um, and if you've been following the series, um, this is a voice, the first voice is somebody that you've heard quite a few times because we've apparently played all his episodes right at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> that is the man you love to hate. It is my nemesis, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic, uh, and I just want to, everyone to know that if you do hate me, that that just makes me stronger. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's been going on lately for you, Ryan? I uh, just recently completed. Well, really, I'm in the process of unpacking from a cross country move, so I'm discovering. It's funny. I open a box. Oh, I remember this comic. Oh, I haven't read this one yet. You know, <laughs> so it's it's kind of like a garage sale shop in my own apartment. Wait a minute. So I know you haven't collected comics in a while. You still have comics that you haven't read yet. There are. Um, I mean, every now and then we will make a, a journey into a, a comic store, especially if we discover a new one, and we'll get like, like uh, I'll get. I don't mind getting collections occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and every now and then someone will tell me something. Uh, that's so good they have to try it like i haven't collected comics in 20 odd years but i have been reading fables for instance when the collections come out and which ironically enough is kind of what i thought this once upon a time was going to be about but so yeah every now and then i will pop back in but there's nothing i get regularly oh okay no no so i guess that's sort of like me too i've I've actually been ironically now that you know the disney acquisition of lucasfilm has made it all like you know uh, uh non-canon i've been reading a lot of the star wars uh, stuff both the novels and the comics the old eu um stuff because i used to be heavy into that and just because of time and, and everything haven't been reading it uh you know for quite a while but i decided that since it's all invalid now now i want to catch up and now i want to read everything that exists <laughs> maybe it's just the fact that i know there's not going to be any more content content so at least it's finite <laughs> but yeah, uh you can you actually know. yeah the completionist then you can actually do it <laughs> right exactly so yeah i actually was last night uh, reading some star wars comics my bio i guess i need to update that but it says arizona but now we are in the great state of texas and houston to be exact yeah no well yeah i mean we'll update the website whenever you feel <laughs> oh, like yeah. it it doesn't no really worries. matter too much but yeah, well. no 
yeah. So that's why you're unboxing and looking at comics right now. But uh, correct, yes. And uh, I've got two panicked cats, and uh, it's just it's an adventure. I haven't moved across the country, and and well, actually, I, I moved from Texas to Arizona um, about 12 years ago. Now we moved back, and it's never fun. It really isn't. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I've moved my own personal moves that weren't with the family, just me from South Carolina to North Carolina, then North Carolina to Ohio, then Ohio to Wisconsin, and then in two different locations in Wisconsin. So um, I know the moving experience. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but that's great. I'm glad that you could make it on. Um, glad you know, to you know, be here. Move. Yeah, good, good. So, uh, yeah, now uh, we're going to move on to someone new to the podcast. Um, she is the most regal person that I know. Uh, word on the street has it that she inspired Greek statues of Athena. Uh, I am in such awe of her that I speak to her in Japanese. That's my Ohime-sama, Angie. How are you doing, Angie? Uh, I'm, I feel like I cannot live up to that. <laughs> <laughs> pressure you'll be fine you'll be fine um wow <laughs> hello i've known angie for half my life which i just realized yesterday when i was thinking about it um it, it's kind yeah, of weird. yeah other than my brother you are uh, my oldest friend oh i was realizing <laughs> wow i'm honored <laughs> i had no idea <laughs> Yeah, the the things that happen when you meet people randomly online uh, and uh, back in the nineties doing uh, Sailor Moon fan fiction, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's a documentary right there. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. It's how I met my wife too. So you know, it is what it is. <laughs> So how are you doing, Angie? I'm I'm great. I'm uh, I'm also in the middle of a move, although I didn't go two states. I went more like two blocks. Um, but I'm still unpacking as well. Yeah. Well, also glad that you could join us. Um, and since uh, you're new to the podcast, why why don't you uh, tell everyone just a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay. Um, I uh, live in Mormon Central. <laughs> um, you might want to translate that for people. <laughs> I live in Salt Lake City, which is the um, where the headquarters of the LDS Church is. Um, so we have a very fun and weirdly um, geeky population here. And uh, yeah, I, I work for a hospital charity uh, as my day job, which funds my uh, really expensive costuming habit. And I'm a new mom, and uh, so I don't have many other hobbies. <laughs> I, I feel you on that one, Angie. <laughs> and I'm sure Beth, if she were on, would be like, oh, yes, I understand. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm so glad that you can come on, though, Angie. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good, good. And um, so we were we were talking just before uh, we started recording, and um, you are familiar with five questions, right? Yes. Okay. So... With that really awful segue, <laughs> let's move on to five questions. Alright, so for anyone who's just tuning in, or whatever, see this is one of the things I hate about the podcasting, it's like I know all this TV terminology, but it's like, it's not tuning in, what is it? Joining us? Yeah, for anyone just joining us, I guess. Um... You know, five questions is just a way for us to sort of 
talk about some really lighthearted uh, topics uh, that have only two answers so that it's a pretty quick thing. It helps us loosen up. It just helps give the listeners just a little bit of an insight into what we like, what we don't like kind of thing. So, um, so let's go, um, Angie, uh, let's do Brian first, then Angie. All right. So first up, better puppet show of your childhood, Muppet Show or Fraggle Rock? Uh, well, they're they're both Henson. Um, <laughs> I know. Ah, uh, <laughs> crap. I'm just gonna go with my my heart on this one, and that's Fraggle Rock. All right, Angie. I agree. I I still I think Fraggle Rock might have been playing this morning in my house. Awesome. <laughs> where, where do you uh, where do you watch that? And so my grandmother, whose house we are currently staying in while our home gets built, um, has on demand. So they have, I think, every season available. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That I... and something like 50 years of Sesame Street. Oh, I was just going to say, I was, uh, we're, we're getting HBO free for three months. And uh, HBO Family apparently plays it like every day, every afternoon. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that was one of the things because I remember it was on. Was it was it HBO that it played on back in the day? Uh, it might have been actually. Now that you mentioned it, I don't know that we had HBO, so I uh, I couldn't tell you though. Okay, yeah, it was, it, and I remember it was one of those things that when we got the free cable, like you know, the premium channels are free this week or whatever, you know, binge watch Fraggle Rock. But yeah, Fraggle Rock is something that I uh, also absolutely love. So completely agree. All right. I just want to real quick say to that that for me, I think it's the fact that Fraggle Rock was more of a fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. it was its own, yeah, own mythology, own world. It just went above and beyond. The Muppets took place in our world. Fraggle Rock took place, you know, just to the side of our world. They obviously had the tunnel and you know, uh, um, mm-hmm. the uncle, the traveling uncle. But uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, I, I, it just was more, more geeky in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I, I can see that, definitely. Although I love the guest stars that the Muppet Show would get. Yeah, like I love you, them both. There's no wrong answer. Yeah, no, but I mean, the one with Mark Hamill on the Muppet Show. <laughs> and they did all the Star Wars stuff. I, I, I just, no, oh, I love that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You're a gamer. Pass the controller or pass the pen and paper? Controller. Angie? Pen and paper. <laughs> I'm more of a pen and paper person myself nowadays. I absolutely love uh, role-playing games and the interactivity of them, which I get that the line is blurring a little bit these days with, uh, you know, as, as video games uh, progress, but I still think that nothing beats the experience of the pen and paper uh, games. Um, I agree. <laughs> I mean, the pen and paper games, yeah, it's like you've got to use that, that, that muscle in your head, you know, that thinky mm-hmm. thing that you right. have. <laughs> And uh, whereas the video games, they do all the work. So again, I, I, this these are weird compared to previous five questions where there's definitely a right and wrong answer. These I think are just like, <laughs> like you know, if, I, I'm not gonna. If you've gone the other direction on Muppets or or here, I'm like, yeah, I don't. You're not. You're not wrong. You're not right, but you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it's rare we've hit finally found the gray area in Ryan's brain where he doesn't think that certain opinions are wrong, so. <laughs> but you got three more questions to go, so don't worry. That's right, yeah, I know. I'm sure you'll consider one of these to have a completely right answer. Uh, Alright, so third question. Best of classic rock, Elvis or the Beatles? Oh. Uh, crap! Um, <laughs> no, I mean, this one has a right... Uh, uh, Beatles. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the Beatles as well. If we're limited to Elvis and the Beatles. Right. Yes, you're, you're limited because I've I've done that. Because otherwise, these things would take forever. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, I will also go with the Beatles. So uh, we're having a lot of agreement this time on the five questions too, which you know usually doesn't happen. So that's that's cool. <laughs> that that's an odd pairing. I've heard like the Beatles and the Stones, yeah. and um, yeah, but uh, uh, Elvis versus the Beatles. Yeah, I'm still going to go with the Beatles, but well, yeah, you yeah, think of yeah. just the sheer popularity, though. I think that even though yeah, it's a single guy versus a group. I mean, you think of like the like the kings of you know the early rock and roll, and it's like the Beatles or Elvis. You know, people are either one or the other that they're huge into. But um, all right. Better Nintendo franchise, Mario or Zelda? <laughs> uh, same logic as Fraggle Rock and Muppets. I'm going to go with Zelda. It's just more fantastical, more otherworldly. Although, I have <laughs> go ahead. yeah, Sorry. I got to go with Zelda too. That was the very first video game I ever actually played because my dentist had Game Boys in his office. Oh, wow. And oh. he only had Legend of Zelda. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. That's like the best dentist ever. <laughs> yeah, and that's a weird one to start with, too. That's really interesting because, uh, yeah, what was that one called? Dream something, right? Um, can't remember what that one was called, the Game Boy one. Or was that Game Boy Advance? No, no, no. This was the big gray clunker. Okay, so it was, yeah, it was the original Zelda game for the Game Boy, which, yeah, it was something of dreams or dream something or whatever. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm also a Zelda fan, but I was there back with the original gold cartridge, you know, for the original NES that was just so, you know, special and magical and everybody had to play Zelda. And while I love Mario and I love platformers, there's something extra to the exploration aspect of a Zelda game that I really like, so um, I'll also go with Zelda. Well, I think Zelda, at least for gaming systems, was like the first uh, game to do that. Um, not not the side, but the above for the game itself, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was. Well, I would have to look into the history of that, because yeah. I hear people making claims like that all the time, like Super Mario Brothers was the first platform, and it's like, this is someone who obviously doesn't know that Atari was a thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> there were all sorts of platformers before Super Mario Brothers, but um. Well, <laughs> let me let me amend that statement. I would say Zelda, and I feel confident saying this. Zelda was the first one to first break out uh, to do that to do the above. Oh, and I'm, yeah. There's a term for it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I would I would think that's correct. Yeah, because yeah, there was like an old Dragon Ball game that had that top view, but I can't remember if it predates Legend of Zelda or not. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not neither here nor there, <laughs> but. <laughs> Okay, alright, I'm actually going to modify this question a little bit from how I wrote it, because I think this will help to get to stop any naysayers from saying that it's not right. Alright. <clears throat> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Best geeky Harrison Ford role, Indiana Jones or Han Solo? That's not a fair question. <laughs> I added the word geeky because originally I said best Harrison Ford role, and I think the people would then might take exception. But anyway, you know, um, because of that geeky, I mean, if you left off that geeky, I would have gone the other way. But because you've added that geeky, I'm going to say Han Solo. No, Indiana Jones is geeky. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's best role, and these are the two options I've given you. But you added geeky. I mean, well, I, I added geeky in. just to like keep people from bringing up other roles that Han Solo has done and been like, but that was but, really his best role. So you know, 
what 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 role was, I mean possibly Jack Ryan, but what iconic character has Harrison Ford played that's more Well than no, those I two? agree, I agree, I agree. I'm just saying, because <laughs> I know somebody's going to be like a nya nya, you know, kind of thing, so yeah. like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I can dance but you know, that <laughs> that's just taking it too far, you know. But uh I, I would say because here's my lot, my reasoning for this. You, if Harrison Ford hadn't played Han Solo, he probably never would have played Indiana Jones. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. No, I'll go with that because it also happens. Well, no. Anyway, uh, Angie, <laughs> what's your answer? Um, his best geeky role. I think I'd have to go with Han Solo as well. Okay, and that happens to be the right answer, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we've ever agreed this much in our entire lives. I know. This Wait, I'm like, confused. Which one's the right answer? Han Solo. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> because it's Star Wars, and Star Wars is better than Indiana Jones in every way. Indiana Jones is a bigger geek than Han Solo is, personally. Well, sure. No, I mean, yeah, it, depending, yeah, I guess if you interpret the question that way, that yeah, I'd agree with that, too, because, you know, uh-huh. he's reading about all kinds of crazy stuff and crystal skulls and, you know. Uh, yeah, that's taking it to a new level. I mean, Han Solo didn't even... He thought the Force was just, you know, mumbo-jumbo. Right, right. Yeah, Han Solo wasn't a geek at all. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, so that's another five questions successfully completed. Yay! Is that five? Yeah, that's five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thus ends the counting <laughs> portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the basic math. <laughs> We were just yeah. talking about Muppet Show and Fraggle Rock, but maybe we need to start talking about Sesame Street. <laughs> Five. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, so, all right before we uh, move on to our actual topic, though, let's pause here for, uh, um, for a promo from another fine podcast. Ten, nine, eight... The White Rocket Podcast, hosted by Van Allen Plexico, covering the entire universe of popular culture, movies, TV, books, comics, music, and more, with interviews, convention panels, discussions about current and classical works, and much more. The White Rocket Podcast, it's one long conversation with a variety of guests about the best of popular culture. All right, and we're back, and we're ready to talk about Once Upon a Time. And uh, this is a show that I've actually wanted to talk about for quite a while, uh, but it's taken me getting my own podcast to actually uh, get that together and actually talk about it, um, because uh, other podcasts and shows that I've done, just for whatever reason, haven't really been interested in covering it. But it's a show that... I was really fascinated with, uh, especially when it first came out, because it was not only a modern reimagining of a lot of the classic uh, fairy tales, and of course with an emphasis on Disney properties, uh, since Disney uh, is the one that produces it, um, but um, also sort of creating their own sort of interconnected universe between all of them and the way that the different characters played off of each other uh, was something that was really interesting and that I hadn't seen done before. Um, I feel like the show, as it's progressed, has had sort of a mixed... 
it's it's gone in directions that may not have been the best direction at times and then they've pulled back and uh, especially with the last few seasons where they've broken each season into two sub seasons it always seems like I like one of them and I don't like the other one um, and so before we get started talking about season six uh, per se I was just kind of wondering what you guys thought about just once upon a time up to this point in general would you kind of agree with that statement that the show has been kind of scattershot sometimes good sometimes bad i think that's a fair assessment yeah i think it has um a potential that and again i mentioned fables when before we started this Mm -hmm. um and i think that's kind of what i was coming in expecting something along those lines when i started watching it and season one disabused me of that completely but i stuck with it because when it's good it's great but then you got to slog through It, it seems like They'll have they they split their their seasons in half, right? And it seems like you have mm-hmm. one half which is great, and the other half you wonder why they even bothered. Um, so yeah, it's it's an it's a odd odd show, but I I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, what what I find interesting though is I think if you and I went through the seasons and and looked at them, we would disagree on which half was the bad half <laughs> and which half was the good half. Maybe because that might I very think... well be true. <laughs> Because I think you didn't have much time for the Frozen arc, which I really liked. They okay. I, I will admit I went in with such low expectations on the Frozen arc. It seemed just like a a money grab. They were cashing in on the phenomenon, but by the and but by the end of it, a lot of it won me over. But that was mainly the casting and the mm. fact that they they didn't do their typical. Oh, we don't have our memories from the past six months that they pull out every other season you know <laughs> so yeah the, it me over I, I went in thinking i was gonna hate it and the, by the time the first arc was done i kind of wanted with the change of clothing for uh the characters to stay around a little bit longer or a spinoff Yeah, well, that's one of the things that I think has been a problem with the show in general, is that I feel like the scenario from the first season should have lasted at least one more season so that they could have introduced more characters into Storybrooke without the convoluted ways that they've had to introduce them. Uh, Because I feel like one of the reasons why Robin Hood didn't work so well is that Robin Hood was like an external character that they had to like pull into Storybrooke from the Enchanted Forest. And uh, with this season, like with introducing Aladdin and pointing out that Aladdin's actually been in Storybrooke the whole time. It's just he's such a good thief, no one's known. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really yeah. liked, but at the same time, I wish more of there were more characters like that, and I felt like every time they had to go out of Storybrooke to bring someone else in, it 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 didn't work with the format of the show very well, and it always felt kind of forced. Yeah, actually, it's interesting that you bring up the Frozen arc because I had high hopes um, because of uh, the actress they cast for Elsa mm-hmm. was a Fringe alum, yeah. and I love Fringe, um, and I, so I want everybody in that show to succeed in everything that they do. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought that the Frozen arc was actually the first one where the um, the show just seemed to be geared towards a much younger audience um and i feel like the previous seasons kind of dealt with some more adult themes and then since frozen we've kind of i feel like we've kind of been stuck more in like a middle school slash high school (laughs) um (laughs) intended audience 
Well, and there might be. I mean, that that's fair. But for me, what I wanted from Frozen, and and again, this is I'm in a house with three girls, right? Um, you know, two little girls and my wife. Um, and so Frozen was a tremendous hit here and was constantly playing on the TV. What I wanted from Frozen was a sequel to Frozen, which is what they gave me. Um, I felt like all the characters were as depicted in the movie, and it was. Um, you know, they're, they're, they were logical extensions of where they would be. Obviously, things happened to them that wouldn't have happened in a sequel because they wouldn't have brought in all these other characters and whatnot. But, you know, it felt to me like they played those characters right. And so I was completely fine with that. Um, you know, even to the point where, where Sven was in it, which I thought was just crazy. see, but that, that was the problem right there because what. Uh, once upon a time has done with every other character and every other story is they've changed it up. They took snow and they made snow different. They took Aladdin and they've made Aladdin different. But for and because again it was kind of a sellout, they took um, Frozen and it was a literal live screen interpretation of what happened. I mean, they expanded upon that obviously, but they even down to the costumes, they kept it exactly the same. And I that's why to me it while I enjoyed it, it felt like the most sellout season. Well, or half. except except to me there's a difference between the old fairy tales that we all know and have been interpreted many times and something that was fairly like Brave and Frozen, the fact that they kind of took those as written or as shown on screen as literal um i was okay with because they're sort of they're sort of a more local they're newer already um so i was more i was okay with that i was okay with them you know just kind of translating them to live action yeah but to go into angie's point if the whole idea of once is to give it to that darker more adult twist if you're doing literal interpretations you're you're just really just doing a kid yeah a middle show middle school show now at this point yeah well and one thing uh, that it frustrates me to no end which i think speaks into that is the fact that the relationships in the show never change Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about Belle and Rumpelstiltskin now for a second. <laughs> Does anyone want to take that one on, or should I just start going? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. Um, I guess uh, uh, Belle and Rumpel. Belle and Rumpel. This is a couple I love to hate. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Because I, I never saw it happening, uh, unless you do buy into the whole you know Stockholm uh, syndrome syndrome theory. Oh, um, oh yeah, I mean Beauty and the Beast is Stockholm syndrome, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily buy that, but even it, it, that's the only way that I can explain those two being together. Having said that, once that I accept that they're together, it works in a weird sort of way, only because. Because Bell, oh, I'm sorry, because Gold is such a fascinating character, and he's played so well that when the emotion, uh, when when he acts, he and Lana Priya are the the powerhouses acting wise oh, yeah. in that show, and so I can watch him on screen, it, it, whether it's pining over Bell or contemplating how he's gonna, you know, screw up Hook's life or whatever. So it he sells it in a way that she can't. I don't. I, just, I don't. When she's looking at Bell, when she's looking at when Bell's looking at Gold, I don't believe she's in love with him. When Gold is looking at Bell, I buy it through and through. Yeah. Um. I actually thought that Bell uh had the had some real growth as a character in this most recent season, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Because growing up, Belle was always my favorite Disney princess. And I don't think it was until I started watching once that I kind of realized that it was a creepy Stockholm Syndrome story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and I, I found that push and pull to be very, very boring until this most recent season um, where Belle is at least trying to assert herself. And I appreciate the effort um, that that's going through. I, I also kind of appreciate that gold keeps failing that you have all these villains who are trying to redeem themselves or become heroes and they're you know doing better and gold just keeps not <laughs> doing yeah. better. well what uh, what really made me happy with gold is since they were going that way of him not being able to redeem himself that he basically just said i'm not even going to try anymore because that's not who i am yeah, because it was getting old. He's with just him gonna be the best villain he can. Right? Yeah, because I mean, it, it got <laughs> super old with him constantly saying like, "Oh, Bell, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change." But and it's just like, it, 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 no, you know, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and for him to finally be like, you know what, you're just gonna have to accept me how I am. I was like, yes, okay, that's great, that's fun, that's interesting. Um, but the problem is. Um, you know, she and and I was and, and I agree with Angie. It seemed like she was going the right way with that because I don't see Belle as a person who's going to be like, yeah, dark one, just do whatever you want, you know, and be <laughs> like, you know, let's let's you know that's that's fine because I love you, you know. Uh, and so for her to be very protective of the child and everything else, but it's like, oh well, as soon as the baby's kidnapped, it's like, oh okay, let's get back together again. It's just like what. <laughs> And I guess there's only been one episode since then, so maybe it's not... But it just seemed like everything was just slipping back into, like, how it used to be with them. And I'm like, just because the baby's not there anymore, it's okay now for him to be evil? I mean, what's what's going on? I mean, you know, so... it could be an interesting dynamic where, you know, I could actually see Bell being more understanding or maybe even looking the other way with his evil if that's what she needs to do to get her child back. I mean, that would be an odd sort of growth for her character yeah she's got to uh to she needs gold to get her child back and so if he's got to go the dark side to do it she might not only be okay with it she might end up helping him i mean we could see a dark bell what was it just like her her um Storybrook. I can't remember the character's Lacey. name at Lacey, the yeah there <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah embrace that side of herself well, that would be really interesting, but I mean, to me, like, like the part that doesn't make sense is that the part of her that she loved about Rumple was mm-hmm. the side that regretted the bad things that he had done. If he's just going to go whole hog evil and be like, this is just who I am and I'm not even going to try anymore, I don't understand what she sees in him anymore. And, and I think that's the real character issue there. Well, again, I think that goes back to the Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> We've just been together so long anyway that I just don't see a life apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're dealing again. This is to make Storybrooke work. To make Once Upon a Time work, you have to look over so much stuff. You have to look over the fact that that Belle has more or less, except for I think she mentioned it one time, but she's otherwise kind of forgiven Regina for locking her away in an insane asylum for twenty eight years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. It, and it's the same thing with with Regina. Uh, you know, let's we have to forgive her. And actually, I take that back. They've done a good job with Regina of making her deal with the consequences, mostly mm-hmm. of her actions. But um, yeah, the only way that Bell and Gold work, the only way that most of the relationships and Storybrooke work, is if you do that. That 
reset every season or or every basically every hour just about where they're back to their default maybe it's because of their stories they have to return to that you know? it could be the magic it could be the fact it could be the author you know they've written them to be together so they have to be together you know? oh man there's so much to parse into there but i'm gonna start with regina because <laughs> regina is a character that i absolutely love i love uh lana perilla i think that her I I mean, like you said, she's the other powerhouse on the show because when she's playing the evil queen, she plays it with such delight and relish that it's just enjoyable. Yeah, it's just enjoyable to watch. Um, And, uh, you know, I feel like she sells the Regina regret uh, side of it as well. And I really like that she's the one character of the main characters, you know, because there's been a lot of like sort of one off villains who, you know, see the error of their ways or whatever and, and you know, become good or whatever. But of the main characters, Regina's like the most dynamic character that has actually yeah. had real arcs and has really progressed as a character from where she started um, to, uh, you know, to where she is now. I, I feel like. And I feel like last season, and how do I how do I say this? Last season, I felt like when they ended, they had no idea what they were doing, and I felt like they kind of left a mess for this season because, uh, first of all, with the Hyde taking over Storybrooke storyline, but he was like, "Oh, and I've brought all my friends," and yet we don't see the friends or where they are or who they are or anything. And in fact, they even applied that most of Storybrooke was depopulated. Which then, when they restarted the season, it was kind of like, "Eh, they hand waved that away." No, no, no. They're, they're most of the characters are still here. Um, but uh, and then the the other part being the whole Regina splits thing. Uh, into into two characters and the first act that supposedly good Regina did was to murder her evil self. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, wait, wait a minute, how does that work again? It's for the greater good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, because I wanted something more like, if either of you are familiar with the original Star Trek episode where Kirk gets split into two people, like you do transporter right, accidents, transporter accident, <laughs> right exactly one was good one was bad and the whole point of the episode was you can't parse people like that if you parse people like that neither one is going to be able to function properly because one is completely just aggression and you know uh you know all the negative uh you know emotions whereas the other one would be paralyzed into just complete inactivity uh you know uh with with only the the quote-unquote positive emotions but this made it more or like Regina can sort of like cut out the evil side and still basically be the same person, but then the evil side has an existence of its own. Well, I think it might have been you, but I had a conversation about this with someone because that, that was my first at the end of the season. That was my interpretation of it as well. They they split her into two different people: one good, one evil. Mm-hmm. But I, my impression of it by the end of the first half of the season is it's more like they just cut out the darkness on her heart. They gave her a reboot, so you know they didn't take away what was her darkness they just took away the darkness that she had done that stained her heart so she can do more darkness and of mm-hmm. course that darkness then went and had its own physical manifestation but uh yeah so it's just kind of a do-over yeah no and i mean the one with hyde and uh and uh dr jekyll i think uh said i mean that's basically the way that they're going with it but i yeah. i'm not sure they had a I felt I, like it was a cheat. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the arc that they're already going with, with Regina's redemption, you know, that I thought that the resolution was going to end up being that she would have to merge back 
you know, that, that was it, my thought as well. Right, that they would have to merge back because you can't function. You know, I mean, it's a cheat. It's 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 not really redemption if you just ignore the bad things that you've done and try to like cut them out of yourself. But with the way they're going with it, I feel like that's not going to be the resolution. And I feel like it is still a cop out cheat though, because it looks like there will be a way of killing the evil queen part. I mean, she's been kind of rendered less dangerous by being turned into a snake in a cage, but she'll probably come back. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, sooner or later, they always do. Right. But here's the thing about that. Is I agree with you. It is a cheat. It is a cop-out. But it's kind of a necessary one. Because again, if you think about the crimes that Regina has committed, if you don't give her this out, then, then it, it just nothing else makes sense. There's no logical reason to keep this woman not locked up or, or, or even dead. I mean... You know, to jump back in time a little bit, when they went to the underworld, she should have been confronted by so many people. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I kept waiting for the huntsman to show up at the very least. They, they wanted him, He's but so, they couldn't get him. And there you go. Too busy being a sociopath on another movie. Right. <laughs> but yeah, they talked about how they did try to get him, but he just wasn't available. See, but that's my Gus, point how about I mean, Gus? Even, or what? Well, did she kill Gus? No, um, uh, 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 Ruby up. killed Gus. Uh, oh no, 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 no! It was the other guy who was trying to frame Ruby. It was the guy trying to frame the. Um, it was uh, the king. The, the other yeah, king. Yeah, the king that uh, David's foster father. Quote, you know, kind of. He's a, another keeper. That one too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, my larger point there is you needed to do this to make her redemption at all plausible. All right. So it's a cop-out, but if you didn't do it, they would just really have to lock her up and forget about her forever. I agree in theory, but I kind of feel like they glossed over that already. I mean, they right. spent a couple seasons with, with Regina ostensibly being one of the heroes, and they don't really talk about the fact that she's randomly murdering villages for no reason. <laughs> um because <laughs> they would never stop talking about it if they started <laughs> but I, I mean they never really they just said okay you're a hero now it seems odd that now that this is the out that actually gives her redemption it almost seems like they're just going to gloss over it and they kind of already did give her that redemption right because I mean basically the attitude that Snow White has and because they did talk about this I think it was also during the Frozen arc um, when they're trying to find Emma uh, when Emma was was going off, uh, was that you know in Snow White's mind, you know who you are now is what matters, and it's just like a live and let live kind of thing, you know, like your your past is your past, and you can't change it, but uh, you know just as long as you continue to do good things, there's no reason to do anything to you, you know to you or, or you know, uh, and 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 that's yeah, and so it's like they kind of already ignored it, and then well, it's how is that you know that. That whole philosophy of Snows, how is that not just a complete way of... I think that's just a way of dodging her own culpability in it. I mean, of her creation in Regina to begin with. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, it's not it's not what I did back then, it's what I do now. You know? <laughs> and then yeah. maybe it's also got something to do with the fact that when you're trapped in the same day every day for 28 years or however long it was, I just... I, I don't buy it. That's that's great unless, you, unless Regina killed your entire family. Right. Then... Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't I don't actually know how her redemption works, but it does seem like in the context of the show, they have already moved past that. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, really, what this was, was it was a way for the writers to have the evil queen and Regina. 
I mean, because, you know, they enjoy writing for the Evil Queen, they enjoy the Evil Queen as a villain, but it was like, well, gee, we, we, we don't want to bring, you know, have Regina do that again, because uh, we've already done it. Uh, and so this was kind of also a cheat from the writing standpoint for them to have good Regina and bad Regina and be able to just have both characters. Um which is fine for me because Regina's hotness factor goes up like a hundred percent when she becomes the evil queen. But oh, it's a the whole, costume. It's a yeah. whole other. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I actually, it's funny because I don't actually like her. It's the personality. It's the way she acts. It's it's because her costumes are very gaudy and somewhat disgusting. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's got the best costumes okay <laughs> I, I like i like it when she's still dressed like a modern person but acting evil but anyway um <laughs> but uh, uh you like her as a super stalker mom is that what you're saying you know? sure. <laughs> sure um but but yeah the funny funny enough i mean though bringing up regina's past and again this might just have to do with actors they can't get a hold of i've been waiting for sydney glass to show back up since they did the frozen arc you know she put him in the mirror ingrid got him out of the mirror and you know i've been waiting for him to show up with some sort of revenge plan for regina that could have brought up you know her past crimes and everything else for a while and I don't know what Giancarlo Esposito, if I've mangled his name, I'm sorry, is doing lately, but I I really enjoy him in most things that I've seen him in, and um, I feel like that's a real dropped ball, um, you know, that they haven't brought that character back into it. Well, especially since they got trapped behind the mirror themselves. I was waiting for him that entire episode. Yeah. Well, he's not behind the mirror anymore. Ingrid let him out. Sure, but they name-dropped his, like, nest. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if anyone has a reason to hate Regina, it's him. Because he was in love with her and did everything that she wanted him to do. And then she first locked him up in the insane asylum. And then when she comes to get him out of the insane asylum, puts him back in the mirror. Um, Yeah. And especially with, uh, you know, with Aladdin and Jasmine and following that plot line. I mean, I just, yeah, it's like he should show up by rights. He should show up at some point this season. Well, and the thing is, I think that people, because Robin Williams is dead, don't want to associate him anymore as Aladdin's genie, even though that was the character you know, they don't want Giancarlo Esposito's Sidney Glass to be the, the the genie because even Aladdin was like, oh, I haven't seen my genie in a long time. He was a really good guy or whatever. I think they were trying to make us think more of the happy genie from the Aladdin you know movie rather than the character that we know Once Upon a Time has already done. Well, who took a dark I mean, return. didn't didn't um this uh, uh the spinoff establish there were what three lamps or there well, were a specific limited number of lamps. Well, yeah, there were three lamps in the Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, but I don't think they limited it to that, because obviously the Sydney Glass one wasn't one of the three in that. It depends when it took place. Well, no, because we saw the three characters in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and none of them were the the same guy. And they were the two brothers of the other character. Okay, okay. They're trying to forget Once Upon a Time in Wonderland ever happened, so we should too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why we lost uh, the knave. (laughs) Right. Yeah, oh god. I I don't want to go Yeah, what happened to him? (laughs) Is he just hanging out with the Merry Men? (laughs) I I don't want to go too far off the tracks here, but that was so... 
that was another case of just poor planning because it seemed like they were gonna fold Wonderland back into Once Upon a Time by adding his character back in, and then he was in maybe like three or four episodes of that season, and then he never appears again. Well, those three or four episodes, he was flirting with Bill, so I think we know what happened to him. (laughs) (laughs) Except I think that predates Once... See, and that was the other thing. Even though those episodes came out after Wonderland, I'm still convinced they took place chronologically before Wonderland. So maybe that's what happened, is he just uh, got caught up with the White Rabbit and uh, made it back to Wonderland, and maybe that's why we haven't seen him. But either way, it just his character did absolutely nothing for Once Upon a Time, and uh, I don't even know why they brought him into it if they weren't going to use him more than that. Eh. Well, that's that's the whole show right there. They bring in these characters with great potential that they could do wonderful things with, and then they drop the ball. I mean, unless you're part of that core family, it doesn't (laughs) matter how awesome your potential is you know you're you're gone after your arc right what's going on with lily right now <laughs> lily um ruby uh you name it cinderella well they did bring her back actually well, for well at least ruby's had a few appearances fairly recently yeah um, not know, enough right, well, not sure enough. <laughs> sure sure but you know it's like they brought in this whole lily maleficent thing i like the way that they were you know sort of playing with how lily and um like, Lily and Emma had been linked in a way that they were, like, mirror opposites of each other, but it was, like, a forced thing that had been done to them, and then they never really capitalized, okay, now they're together, now they can sort of, you know, do something about it, and then they never did anything about it. You know, I thought there was going to be something about sort of, like, unhinging their destinies or about, uh, you know, like, somehow being able to become whole people where Emma wasn't forced to be good and Lily wasn't forced to be bad. Something. But, no, it's just, like, Lily's like, hey, Mom, let's go train how to be a dragon. You know? And that's, like... To be fair, if I found out I was a dragon, that's the first thing I would want to do, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well played. Yeah, no, I I can understand. She's she's not wrong. <laughs> but, but there's just such great ideas floating around in the ether, like with Lily and a lot of potential. I mean, it, it's just like, it, and they're just doing nothing with those characters right now. Yeah. Um, and again, I love Snow and Charming. And, you know, uh, but their time kind of passed a few seasons back. I feel like we've done all the Snow and Charming. In fact, I thought they might actually kill one of them off. Um, at the end of last season just to do something new with them. And, and that's kind of my frustration. I kind of te- uh, kind of touched on it with uh, Regina was that the rest of the characters in the show, Emma's had a glacial arc. I mean, we can say Emma's had an arc. You know, yeah. she finally at the end of season three accepts that magic is a thing she can do. You know, <laughs> just like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, this should have been like a season two early thing. And, and, you know, it took her that long. And everyone else is pretty static. You know, like they, they're, they're fairly unchanging. And I get it's the whole fairy tale aspect. And it's the whole, these are sort of iconic characters and we want them to sort of stay in there. But it's kind of ruining the whole thing that made Once Upon a Time cool was that, you know, hey, maybe Rumpelstiltskin is the beast. You know, and how would that alter our perception of both of those characters from both of those stories? And, you know, what if these characters interacted and that's the reason why this character did this in this fairy tale and stuff like that? And having Snow and Charming be like the sort of, you know, super upright Snow and Charming, uh, except when they're being acted on externally by some magical force. I don't know. I'm I'm just getting tired of them. Uh, You know, this is going to sound really really bad but for me I, I in the back of my mind i've been kicking it around the part of the problem at least i think is the fact that 
Jennifer Goodwin keeps having kids. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it it was really bad at the end of last season when they were obviously shooting to avoid her pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, it's like she can't move, and they can't really do anything with her. What I would do, and I I agree with you. I I agree with you. Um, I I was really hoping they'd either kind of shift the focus to Philip and Aurora because you know I love them too, or. I, I really kind of think they need to recast Charming and, and Snow. I would do kind of like a, what what they've done with the X-Men in the comics. Yeah, I know. I don't read them, but, you know, <laughs> I still follow what's going on. But I think they ought to do a, a, a curse onto Snow and Charming and recast them and cast the the woman, well, girl, I guess, who's been, who played the young Snow, who looks, I mean, her, her resemblance to Jennifer Goodwin is amazing. Yeah. And she's old enough now to be, you know, an, uh, an older or you know, a teenage or young woman, Snow. So cast her and just reduce them in age, and then now you've got a dynamic where Emma is older than her parents. I, it, could, it would be awesome, and they could do so much with it. So they can go to high school, and we've been complaining <laughs> that it's getting very high school in the show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty sure that's next season now. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. <laughs> I'm not sure Storybrooke has a high school. You know? <laughs> well, no, suddenly we've seen it. Like, Henry's suddenly going to this big high school that it's like, where has this place been this whole time? So there you go. And Henry can go to school with his grandmother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this small town in Maine with just like a few houses, and it's suddenly like this giant modern high school in the middle of it, apparently. I don't know. But. <laughs> Every time the curse gets broken and rewritten, they just update it a little <laughs> bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, Storybrooke is now in 2030. Don't question it, you know? It's, it's futuristic now. <laughs> you know, you know, this is totally tangential, but the one thing... Because, you know, Storybrooke was supposed to be 1982, right? The one thing... I And, and they've done some nice references, like with the Tron games and stuff like that, that, you know, Henry was playing in, in like, one of the early episodes and stuff like that. But one of the things that I have desperately wanted to show up... It can be anywhere in Storybrooke. But, you know, in the early 80s, arcade games were everywhere, right? You know, it's like, you know, the, the grocery store, what you know, gas stations, everywhere had an arcade game. I want Wreck-It Ralph to show up <laughs> in, in anywhere in Storybrooke just for them to have a Wreck-It Ralph arcade game. It would be such a nice Easter egg. <laughs> you know, would just have there. <laughs> but um, yeah. putting that aside, um, <laughs> Angie, what are your thoughts on Snow and Charming? So one of the one of the parts of the show that I loved was way, way, way back in season one where they did a flashback to the Enchanted Forest and Snow admitted to ruining Regina's life. Mm-hmm. And I was so stoked because I just love the idea. I've never been able to get the the concept of the evil queen to work for me because mm-hmm. um, like, I just don't understand how you could be powerful enough to have whole armies whose only reason for serving you is fear but you can't manage to kill the heroes. <laughs> right. So to me, I always felt like like the evil queen probably wasn't that evil except to Snow. Mm-hmm. Like if you were just a random peon, like it didn't matter. The queen was just the queen. She didn't like tax all your money or, you know, come randomly rip your heart out. Mm. <laughs> um, so when that during that episode that early on in the show, I was so excited because I just thought, oh, yeah, we're going to have this very complicated relationship where, you know, Snow's not all good and the evil queen, you know, isn't necessarily evil. Um, and I was really excited for that. And then that didn't happen. 
Um, and I don't think I ever forgave it. Um, <laughs> and I've just never been a fan of the Charmings. I just, <laughs> I just don't really care about them. They're too Lily White to be interesting to me. Right. And, and I think that's the, I mean, I felt like they made them more interesting. Uh, I definitely like the flashbacks they did to their relationship and how it started. I, I enjoyed all of that. Uh, but, and I thought that at least giving Regina a reason to hate snow, just beyond the fact that she wanted power, which is the normal evil queen thing of, well, I killed the King. Now I'm going to kill his daughter. So that she's the only other possible heir and, you know, I'll take my power. But, you know, having the whole thing where, because snow told, you know, Cora, you know, who's, let me tell you about what I'll never forgive the show for redeeming Cora. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, because Snow told Cora, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, Regina about to elope with the, uh, with the farm boy. Uh, you know, it's like, and she murdered her true love right in front of her. At least they gave her more it's of a reason love. to hate this person. Right, yeah, and Cora's my <laughs> tough love, right? And, uh, and yeah, uh, and so I liked that, but I just, I, yeah, now I feel like they're way too Lily White. And yeah, while they're trying to do this curse thing, and while it is a more clever thing for the evil queen to do to them, uh, you know, in a way to torture them, sort of twist the knife, we know it's not gonna, you know, it, we know it's gonna get broken. We know they're going to get together. I, the drama of it is kind of like wearing thin with me. And that's why I felt like now that the Hades arc is over and they don't have a way of doing that again. And I felt like killing one of them would have been like a way to get some, you know, some interesting storytelling and some drama out of it. But I don't think you could kill just one. Just have them retire to the Enchanted Forest. You know, go back to rule their kingdom. But what do you mean you can't kill one? You can't kill off Snow. <laughs> I mean, you can, but I mean, it just deal with, and just because physically, I think she's not able to handle the action like she used to be. Yeah, no, but but I mean, just from a storytelling perspective, they've made their love so great, so entwined to the point where they're literally sharing the same heart. That Mm -hmm. if you killed one of them, and then a season later had the other one start dating again, it it just the show it wouldn't work. I mean, it would just be it would be at least for me it would be over the the concept of of true storybook fantasy love you know it's just gone if you do that yeah well that's fair enough i do wish that they would focus more on the their other relationships i i kind of adore charming anytime he's in a bromance with anybody else um (laughs) i even kind of appreciated snow and jasmine's little friendship that they had and snow and regina uh, i i genuinely enjoy but as a pair i find them just very boring yeah yeah well snow is sort of the older sister or mom to a lot of characters and yeah i think that that's a cute relationship and uh, hook has grown on me slowly but surely when he was first introduced i did not care for him at all i didn't (laughs) like what they were doing with him and emma i wanted emma to get back with neil um and you know obviously that didn't happen but he's sort of grown on me as a character over the course of the series and i like that he's kind of grown on charming as things have progressed too yeah well i mean the thing about charming and and snows i think and and i this going back to agents of shield with fitz and simmons is you need or you can have one couple that's just the happy couple you know Mm -hmm. let them have the relationship together but again going to angie's remark what makes them interesting is how they play with other people they you know throughout the episode they get to react with other people but then at the end of the episode they go home to each other that's fine but don't make the entire show about that relationship with each other Mm -hmm. 
So how do you guys feel? Let's, I'm just going to change things up a little bit. How do you guys feel about Emma as a character? Because I've found Emma tedious for many years. And it's hilarious because I do like this show, but I'm watching it for the fantasy characters. <laughs> and I feel like Emma, you know, I already brought it up, you know, the fact that it took three seasons for her to accept that she has magic. When she actually saw it, Cora tried to steal her heart and could not do it. <laughs> you know, it's like you've seen there's magic inside of you. I understood the reluctance to accept magic as real in the first season. That worked. But once you've actually seen magic at work, once everyone tells you you have magic inside of you, once all that happens, to just have to wait so long to even be... But, and then the thing that's annoying is once she accepted that she can do it, now whenever she needs to do anything magical, she can just do it. She didn't have to learn. She didn't have to do anything. It was just like, there's like two lessons from Regina. <laughs> and like now like Emma's like, oh, I, I can teleport. I can like, you know, summon things. I can do whatever whenever the story calls for it. You know, it's like, what? Uh, Emma is like the Scully uh, of Once Upon a Time, where she, you know, she's got to go along saying, no, that's not real. Well, that can't be the case. You know, it's got to be some other explanation. And mm. no matter how many times it actually happens and how many times she sees it, you know, um, I kind of thought that after Dark Swan that we were going to get, you know, she's accepted everything about this world and what she can do in it. So that's kind of how I've thought about it. That was her big changing point for me. I think Emma suffered. I think Emma suffered the most from the um, aforementioned frozen de-aging of the show. Hmm. Um, I feel like she's almost regressed emotionally. Uh, (laughs) I mean, the, the fact that she and Hook weren't living together just, boggles my mind i don't that doesn't make any sense based on the character that we met in the first season at all and i i do feel like they've just been totally static for multiple seasons at this point you, you don't she think that she might have a help. fear of commitment issue with you know uh all the people that she's ever loved like kind of like leaving her in her entire life yeah like two seasons ago <laughs> I can understand her taking things slow. I, I, I can understand that one just because of how emotional. But the problem is she doesn't act as emotionally crippled as the script tells us she is. That's because she hides it. That's what she, you have to do. I mean, when you come up on the streets like she has, you don't get to show emotion. That's yeah. weakness. No, that's true. No, I, I can see that. Obviously, come, not coming from that background, it's also hard for me to say what it's like. So, you know, but I, I didn't feel that that was so bad in particular, but I do feel like she does not. I feel like even though she does progress, it's so slow, and it's just been kind of difficult with her as a main character, which is funny because I feel like even Henry is a more interesting character than she is, and I and I worried at first, once he became too old to be, like, the source of battle between Regina and Emma and custody and everything, like, mm-hmm. w- what were they going to do with this kid? You know, there's a sitcom scenario of, do we add another <laughs> little kid? You know, do we just get rid of Henry, like, Emma sends him off somewhere to be safe, or what are we going to do? And I felt like the whole idea of making him the author was perfect. It fit in exactly with who he's been up to this point. And I was interested with what they were going to do with it at the end of the last season. And I feel like they kind of dropped the ball. Um, I like that he was being assertive and that he was going to be like, you know, this is the way we're doing things. But 
A, it showed how little he's been paying attention that he thought that just getting rid of magic would solve everybody's problems, which felt stupid. And <laughs> B, it was just like the total misuse of power that he had to do to do that it was kind of like, so you want to become a villain to take care of villains, but now we can just reset him to being nice old Henry again in this season. It was just kind of like, yeah, I don't think they know what they're doing with him, even uh, though he's got some potential. <laughs> uh, okay, my thing with Henry is... I either so don't care that it, <laughs> that he might as well not be there. Mm. Like, like what was it in New York where he just had people believe in magic, and oh, that, that was enough God. to save Clap the if day. You believe in fairies. <laughs> yeah, I just I almost turned it off and stopped watching right then <laughs> there. <laughs> or, or you know, he's crushing on a girl and trying to trying to make a mixtape for her or something like that, and it's so cute and all. Awkward, and I can't stop looking. So it really depends what they do with him. The author idea was good, and I loved when um, I, I kind of love his interactions with his moms, you know, mm. because that that that's when I think he really kind of shines because he is kind of the emotional heart. Um, even even the evil queen, uh, where where Henry is concerned, uh, still showed affection and that he was still her weakness as you know right. they tried to exploit but so it, it depends on the storyline where he's concerned uh, i've liked how much henry we've had this first half of season six um i haven't really focused too much on him but he's had some really key um key actions you know mm-hmm. saving hook and uh you know recognizing that his mom wasn't really was the evil queen i thought was really nicely done uh, I, I found him very obnoxious to watch in previous seasons so i'm happy with where he's going yeah i uh i was actually hoping they were going to give him real magic when she was saying she was going to give henry magic but it turned out to just be an item um but uh because i feel like henry is sidelined a lot and kept from becoming a more interesting character just because he can't he doesn't have either the training to operate with the physically powerful characters on this show and doesn't have the magic to operate, you know, at the level with the magical characters. And unless he misuses the pen, which is basically him going into God mode, which then, you know, why have a story at all? Because he can just rewrite it. Um, so it's it's kind of a tricky thing. That's why I liked with the Hades arc how they showed the true use of the pen, which is for him to sort of, like, find out things by writing the stories. Like, hey, we need to know about this guy we don't know much about. Well, Henry just like you know sits over a page with the pen and is able to like write out their story and um again i think there's a lot of potential with the author side of it i just don't know that they really know how to exploit that properly well especially with that portion i mean you make bell redundant when you do that so Mm. you if you're focusing on bell you can't really focus on that aspect of henry that's true Uh, yeah i I never thought thought about about that. that space they share yeah that is interesting because either they're going to the library or henry you can't do both that's true Huh. Huh. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ryan and Nathan's heads just explode as they contemplate this. (laughs) Well, I mean, I expect another season they'll send him off to college or something like that (laughs) and problem solved. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the spinoff. I don't know. (laughs) All right. So going with the family motif still and someone who's tangentially still connected to the charmings through regina how do we feel about zelina and 
uh, and her sort of, I don't know, her connection to everything and what they're doing with her. Angie, we haven't started with you. Why don't you, why don't you talk about <laughs> Selena a little bit? <laughs> Oh, I hate I hate Selena. Um, <laughs> Good, I didn't want to say I, that. <laughs> I feel terrible saying that because I actually like the actress quite a bit. My problem is not really with her. Yeah. Um, she she needed to stay away. She needed to not come back after mm. her season. I think she's been. I mean, she's problematic from every aspect of the story to me. Um, and we wasted. I mean, I was very upset during the Hades arc that we got. Kirk and Meg for one episode because mm-hmm. we got to focus on Zelina's pain for more than <laughs> <laughs> I she's too much like Regina mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of her story concepts I don't buy her relationships with basically anybody and um yeah I don't know I mean the entire pretending to be Marion and sleeping with Robin Hood and I just I can't. Yeah, I would really like to go away forever. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I. I'd see. I didn't want to be super negative this whole thing, and so I wanted somebody <laughs> so else sorry, to say that they hated Zelina. <laughs> no, I wanted you to say you hated Zelina, so I could tee up oh, on okay. it. So I didn't have to say I hated her, but. <laughs> But no, I, you know, it was one of those things that it seemed weird to me when they introduced her in the third season, but I, I kind of liked the Wicked arc, you know, and I liked her for that arc, and I liked it for what it did for Regina to sort of progress Regina's storyline, where Regina had to learn to use white magic, and with Emma sort of sealed off, you know, Regina had to be the hero for once, and I loved that, and I loved the ending, and I thought it worked perfectly, and, you know, and it was fine. If Zelina was done, you know, then that was fine. But then, yeah, the bringing her back and bringing her back in such a <laughs> such a ridiculous <laughs> way, and with the Robin Hood love child, and I just, I uh, yeah, and I didn't really care. And here's the funny thing: I liked the Hades arc most of all. I mean, most uh, uh, most mostly, I liked the Hades arc. That's the word I should. And um, but that portion of it the whole Zelina's in love with Hades but she thinks that Hades is actually a good guy and that she can change him and all that stuff was just really tedious I liked more of the idea of they were going back to season one with the Hades arc of the ironic endings for characters you know so like how a Rumpel's wife had to take care of children because she had abandoned Balefire, you know, and all that kind of stuff, which was like, you know, what happened with the curse and how it sort of put people in Iran. And I, I liked exploring those sort of dead characters and like what would happen to them in the afterlife and everything. And like Cora becoming, you know, having to work a mill all the time, which was perfect. And the fact that they broke her out of that and redeemed her still annoyed. You know, uh, Regina's dad, perfect, because he never deserved to die. You know, he was a yeah. great guy, and getting him out of there was fantastic. But Cora, seriously, okay, I'm sorry, I'm gonna drop that one. But I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, my my thoughts on on Zelina are that you can have the evil queen or you can have the wicked witch. You can't really have both. Mm-hmm. And I, I to echo a bit of what you all are saying, I, I like Zelina when she is wicked, but trying to redeem her doesn't work um it's it, we did it with with regina let's stop while we're ahead or we're trying to do it with regina uh i didn't mind so much her and her impersonating um marion i actually thought that was kind of cl- that, that was to be 
concise. That was wicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, what what would really hurt Regina more than doing that? And I even didn't mind the Zelina uh, loves Zelina Hades love story. That kind of worked for me too. The, these two characters who otherwise are wicked and evil are just in love with each other, but neither of them really believes the other one about it. And that just, I don't know why, but that worked for me, but just having her sit in a farmhouse and try and raise a baby and just try and be part of the community and wonder why no one likes her and will be friends with her. It just, no, you know, it's like get on Facebook or go back to Oz or something. I, I don't got time for this. You know? So yeah. And the whining is a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, you brought that up of wondering why, you know, the community doesn't like her and won't accept her and everything else is just like, yeah, you get kind of sick of it. You know, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I do something positive, you know, I mean, at least th- this is like the most understanding group of people in the world they accepted regina who yeah. probably from a, a list of crime standpoint has done worse <laughs> than you but that's because regina has at least been trying to be a positive force you know she's uh, also much sassier yeah in general <laughs> although that that kind of begs the question would they have been as forgiving of regina if it hadn't been for henry well, i don't know yeah, it's, that's yeah. No, you're right. And I mean, they, were cert- they certainly played with that idea a lot in the earlier seasons where every time Regina tried to do something good, like they would be kind of standoffish to her. It was only Henry and, you know, Henry's trying to yeah. get them to accept her that kind of helped sort of ease those tensions. So, no, it's a good, it's a decent point um, to yeah. make about. Yeah. But so I don't know. Maybe, maybe Zelina thought having a baby would do the same thing you can't hurt a mom and with a baby i, I don't know I, I say send her send her to, to be queen of the underworld that would be my thought on the matter they need someone down there now yeah but at the same time i kind of liked how they ended the king arthur debate because dark swan had such potential but it but they they ruined it very quickly on both the dark swan and camelot aspects yeah, I agree with that. But I liked how they ended it. Was that the prophesied kingdom that Arthur was supposed to rule wasn't Camelot, that it was Hades. See, I always kind of thought it could have been Camelot, but he had no Merlin to guide him. So now he gets a second chance with Hades. Oh, it could but, be. Uh, but but yeah, either, way, either way, I, I like <laughs> that they I like that they at least wrapped it up, even though they didn't wrap up any of the stuff with Lancelot and Guinevere, who are apparently yeah. still like, Guinevere's still under a curse, you know. <laughs> and Lancelot's still out there doing who knows what. And I mean we can assume maybe they were taken by a portal back to Camelot at the end of last season, but still it's like but we didn't resolve any of what was going on there. So I don't know. Again, once a point of time right there for you i mean you're lucky when you get resolution of any sort <laughs> i was amazed and it was probably just fan service that they did bring back mulan and uh you know finished gave that so, sort of a conclusion yeah although ruby's still looking for her family yeah who and, knows if that'll you know, ever happen <laughs> a season from now they'll remember maybe <laughs> Well, I like that they finally remembered to actually explain what's going on with Ruby, right? You know, because it's like suddenly Ruby just wasn't in the show anymore. And then they like tried to do a flashback to say like, oh, Ruby actually took a... Ma-. Remember those magic beans that no one could find anymore and that were all destroyed? But, oh, by the way, there's one left. Ruby, you can take it to go back to the intended <laughs> for her. Well, I mean, I- she, she left to another show. That's not really... Yeah. I, I cut the show some slack for that sort of problem. Same with Mulan. But to a point, yes. But you know, when they bring them back, they can do something a little bit more clever. But it's like oh. they do have a giant there who's growing beanstalks. Whatever happened to him? You know. Well, no, they were all burned. Uh, Regina and Cora yeah, but, burned them all. 
Right, but he didn't have any seeds to start over again or something like I don't know. It just didn't. He's still there. Where is he? <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah. Tiny, Tiny's been gone since season two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't know yeah. what happened to Tiny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, that's that's one of my big problems with the show. You know, portals were supposedly so hard to come by that Rumpel spent like a hundred years concocting an evil curse, putting all the pieces in place, you know, guiding people's entire lives for generations just so that he could get a portal to find his son. And now it's like portals are a dime a dozen. You know, you find ways of crossing worlds. You know, I get why the key, the key is an exception to the land of untold stories because that only takes you to one place. So, and that wasn't the place you wanted to go. So that one I'm okay with, but all the magic beans they keep finding and well, i thought the point was that rumple didn't want to just go to the land without magic he wanted to bring magic to the land without magic so he could have his son and his power mm-hmm. and that's why it was so convoluted to get there that would be in keeping with his character. No. I mean, in the episode where it happens, the fairy, the good fairy, or whatever her name, Blue, tells him, you know, there are no more magic beans. That was the last one. And I always thought that was the reason why he did the curse, was because there were no more magic beans, and he had to, you know, uh, find a way of doing it without a magic bean. But now it's like magic beans turn up all over the place. It's like, well, yeah, all these... I don't know if we should trust Blue. She's kind of shady. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so talking about specifically this current season the episode where they had blue and snow together with blue in like full size with that awful dress and no (laughs) wings why (laughs) why did that episode even happen (laughs) and and why do we feel like blue needs to be in the show more first of all we got amy acker's fairy you know the pink one that hasn't been touched on at all since season one. That needs to come back, and we need to have a happy ending for her and Grumpy. Like, you know, that's that's that's, that's it's been frustrating me for five years that there's no <laughs> resolution to that storyline, <laughs> and we keep on getting Blue, who I don't really care about at all. And now it's like they're like, oh, but we need to give her like action scenes now with Snow, and it's like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> because you need that sort of gray although she's called blue but that gray fairy that sort of you can't you you she's an ally but she's got her own agenda and that's what she is they did the same thing with tinkerbell you know when they brought her uh, the green fairy i wish they did more with her as well but i guess it's just to they steal the show too much blue is the right mix of just not interesting enough to mm-hmm. be fair, Tinkerbell is busy on iZombie right now. I know, and you know, they, they all get other shows. But you, know, you can either recast or... Yeah, or although they did say that because it worked out schedule-wise, Tinkerbell will return in season six, I guess, for an episode. So, right. yeah, yeah. so we Eight, will see an her. Episode. That's what we yeah, get no. with them. Yeah. An episode. <laughs> the thing about Once Upon a Time is you could pick it apart, and kind of like what we're doing. If you think right. about it just a little bit, it contradicts itself week after week, season after season. But you can't do that. You just kind of got to go with the flow and enjoy it for what it is. I mean, it's it's not to get too philosophical, but it's almost like fairy tales itself. You look at each season kind of as a story about the same cast of characters and the fact that maybe their characteristics aren't as um, consistent as you would like from the last story you heard. You can enjoy watching the story that you're currently watching unfold. At least that's what I keep telling myself. (laughs) 
I know. It's one of those things, because it does feel like I've been hating on it a lot, which is why I wanted someone else to say that, you know, Zelina was awful. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> certainly, of all the characters we talked about, even though I've said negative things about a lot of the characters, Zelina is the only one I truly loathe and actively want off the show. Um, I feel like every other character that we've mentioned has potential and is, you know, fine to have on the show, and I'd just like to see them, like, you know, tweak the characters a bit, or you know, tweak the situations a bit for them. But um, yeah, Zelina, I, I just want gone. Um, but you know, before before we talk about the the the, the really <laughs> the the one last really big topic I wanted to talk about, I, I thought maybe we could mention just a few of the characters we've enjoyed seeing again uh, this season. And uh, Ryan, would you like to start us off on that? Probably Cinderella. I mean, it's nice yeah. to just have anyone back from season one. Uh, well, she's appeared, I think, I want to say at least a couple of times since season one. But yeah, yeah. this was her biggest I, they, role. They, they had her, I remember it was season two or three or whatever, she was sitting at a table in the restaurant. I think she got like a heads up, you know, mm. a wave across the room or something like that. But, you know, uh, for me, you know, there there are some. Aurora, uh, Mulan, and um, Ruby are my three favorites uh, beyond the core character. So whenever any of those three show up, I'm happy. See, it's interesting because I didn't think they really did very well with Aurora uh, no. in yeah. Once Upon a Time. I don't think they did either. <laughs> oh, okay. Do more. <laughs> any sort of anything area—that's just not going to happen. <laughs> whereas, whereas I think Milan and Ruby they did some interesting things with, but uh, yeah, uh, Aurora I felt like was a really boring character. Even though I like what's her name, Sarah Bolger. Yeah. Honestly, her name. Yeah, I, I like her as an actress, and I loved her character in uh, Agent Carter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't feel like Aurora was all that interesting. But uh, another place, though, that both Cinderella and Aurora did uh, uh, come was when uh, Cinderella was running the daycare. They did, like, a whole scene in one episode where it was, like, Snow with her new baby and Aurora with her baby and uh, Cinderella with her baby. And they were all, like, sort of, like, singing songs together and stuff. It was kind of cute. And Aurora, because Aurora wasn't uh, affected by the curse but had just been transported over. Oh, so it must have been um, season three with the Wicked Curse. Because, uh, yeah, she was talking about, like, the evil, like, box that, you know, plays the loud music in the room that, you know, the magic box. And... See... Yeah, that, that's one of the inconsistencies that bugs the devil out of me. It's, uh, what Was it the season three? The one where um, everyone had to go back, but Henry and Emma stayed behind. Because right. I don't know why Emma did, but Henry had to because he was born in this world. Well, so right. was Cinderella's baby. Well, I mean, what happened to that kid? You know, it just, they, it doesn't, they, for, they forget their own mythology from season you know. to season. Well, and the other thing was Hook and Tinkerbell were there, too, who hadn't been affected by the curse, but had just moved over. That's why Emma had to go, was because Emma wasn't affected by the curse. She had just been transported physically to our world. And okay. and so, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, Hook and Tinkerbell should be leaving, too, because they weren't affected by the curse. They just came over by portal. But, yeah, no, I know. They didn't, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Because it was like, so the curse is yeah. undone, and they snap back to the Enchanted Forest? Why? Because they weren't part of the curse. Anyway. Wait, wasn't Hook and Cora's bubble yeah so they were affected they just froze for 28 years no they were they stayed in the enchanted her bubbles uh kept uh like a portion of the enchanted forest in the enchanted forest for you know while the curse was going on so that's why there was that whole community there that had been frozen in time that were still there afterwards you can hand wave that into him being affected by the curse i think 
Yeah, Tinkerbell doesn't make any sense, though. (laughs) 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 But uh, for me, I was, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely um, Aurora. I was really glad to see see Archie, who I don't think has appeared for at least a season. Um, and it was one of those things where Archie was, you know, used to be like a mainstay of the show, uh, even after season one and just his appearances became less and less until he just like, kind of like disappeared entirely. So I don't know if he's doing something else now, uh, also, but it was good to, to have that. And at least with, you know, I really wish instead of going with some magical prophecy of the future thing that they had actually gone to Emma having true PTSD. Because I think that would be a more interesting story to go with. Because the whole magical vision of the future thing, it's been done, you know, a lot. Whereas a fantasy character dealing with PTSD, that's not, that's different. You know, that's, that's something that's a little bit new that you don't really see a lot in storytelling. So... I think I would have liked that a little bit more, but at least it made sense though for her to go to Archie and I liked incorporating him into everything and how the evil queen tried to twist that to sort of push Emma uh, and the Violet other characters. Pippa laws. They should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. In, in fairness, like his certification is from the eighties. So right. <laughs> well, the certification was you completely created whole cloth by an evil queen. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Right, because yeah, Regina even made that point sometime in the past of the show. Like, you're going to trust a guy whose degree comes from a curse? You know? <laughs> yeah, and you know, he probably got it, uh, or he, his residency was in the same institution that employs a literal nurse ratchet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing, that's the one burning question of the show that I feel like they've never answered, is who is she supposed to be? You know, we've got that nurse ratchet in the insane asylum that they've got in Storybrooke, but, like, I I always keep hoping that there's going to be some revelation that she's some, like, major fairy tale character, you know, (laughs) just been sitting down there, and we never get that, so. (laughs) I'm fine with her just being Earth Wretched. (laughs) (laughs) So, Angie, has there been anyone that you've enjoyed seeing? I did enjoy seeing Cinderella again. The the guest star that I actually enjoyed the most, even though he isn't coming back, um, he was new, was um, Nemo, and I... I really enjoyed i think that's um kind of when once does it best when you have a guest star like that that's you know an episode or two and they have a little minor story that's you know cleaned up in those two episodes and it just like i was super excited when he showed up and i was super excited um when they found him again um in storybrooke and uh yeah then that story is done and i feel like it can't get messed up or drag out or anything like that so i I was really happy when he showed up i kept on expecting him to shove hook in a cave and tell him to construct a suit of armor for him (laughs) (laughs) for people who don't know nemo was the uh villain uh in iron man who uh, tried to get uh, iron man to construct the suit of armor for him he was also the captain of the Kelvin in the first Star Trek. Oh, the 2009 Star Trek. Yeah, not wow. real Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but um <laughs> no i i liked nemo too and the thing is and, and now this is a good segue to get into the last major topic is how i feel they have so completely dropped the ball on this promise of the untold stories because nemo aside i feel like we've gotten none of that you know uh i you know when henry saw once upon a time volume two in the last season he was flipping through all kinds of stories and they were things that went beyond the you know Grimm's fairy tales you know we were seeing Paul Bunyan we were seeing um, 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 Don Quixote we were seeing all these other fictional you know that there might have even been the like uh, I'm sorry say again the Three Musketeers, they were in there. Yeah, show. The Three Musketeers, you know. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. Because again, you know, the show has sort of taken the sort of philosophy that all fictional worlds are true. Uh, you know, they all exist in their own realm somewhere. And so, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity to sort of go beyond, you know, what they've been doing and create more links with other fictional worlds with be- where, you know, aside from like Neverland and Oz and Wonderland, you know, they haven't really done yet. And so I thought this would be really neat to introduce these characters into the story story and to see what's going on but really so far everything that they've introduced is from the enchanted forest reality except for nemo he's the only sort of new character well of course jekyll and hyde but was that was a carryover from last season and um i don't know i've just felt really disappointed by that i don't think they knew what they were doing at the end of last season i don't think they had really planned it out and i said that at the time that it feels like since we didn't see these people that hyde says he was bringing with him i felt at the time that they didn't even know who they were bringing into the show or we would have gotten some shots you know some tints or teases but uh, you know and then it felt like with Hyde being shunted off so quickly in this season that they that they didn't know and they were like well crap we just gotta get rid of Hyde and just pretend his plan never happened because uh, you know we don't know what to do with it and we've gotten a story about Regina and now about Rumpel and Belle's baby which is interesting it's an angel crossover, right? With baby, right. I mean, Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's interesting what they're doing, but I feel like that promise of the untold stories in these other fictional realms is not being paid off at all. And just thoughts on that. You know, if they're going to continue to do this new villain, new story every half season, I think stuff like that's going to suffer. You have the possibility to do so much with untold stories, but you have 10-ish episodes to do it in. I just, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm at the point where I didn't expect them to actually follow too many of those stories. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, to, to jump on that, it's like, here's all this, this huge source of material you can use, but remember, 90% of the stuff of has to come back to snow and charming and gold and <laughs> Regina in some capacity, you know, <laughs> so work with what you got. <laughs> so unless they can break past that, unless they can find uh, the, the problem with the show has always been its lack of balance between that core family and the other stories they want to tell. Mm-hmm. And it always, it's always, you know, top heavy towards the snow, charming gold, dysfunctional, incestuous family. And, uh, I mean, <sighs> Sam Whitwer, who played Hyde, I love him. And, yeah. The fact he can, he can chew scenery too. He's 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 not as he's no Doomsday, right? Smallville. Yeah, he was. He was also in uh, the American version of Being Human, which I highly recommend. Uh, oh no! no. <laughs> yes, I liked yes. the original I liked, one. You can like both. I did. You know? mm. <laughs> but um, that said, uh, I wanted them to do so much more with him. I liked what they did with uh, Jekyll, where they mm. kind of showed that he was uh, not he was not the good guy himself as well. 
but um, I just it, it should have been so much more. Like you said, that they, they had so much potential there, and and they haven't completely done away with that. I mean, we did still have the dirigible crash. Mm-hmm. They they're out there somewhere. I don't know if we even found them all in the woods yet or not. But um, so they could still explore that some of that more. But the reality is is we're not going to. We're, it's always between previous characters and the, the core family, you're lucky to get any new characters at this point in time. I get that we might have a one-off episode where they introduce another new character from some other piece of fiction, but my point is Hyde had a plan. Yeah. He said he had a plan. He was working towards his plan. We never find out what his plan was and they kill him. And that's just so frustrating because I wanted to know what was Hyde's endgame? What was he trying to do in Storybrooke? You know, he kept saying, I want these stories to play out but you know i mean hyde you know hyde had something that he was trying to do and the fact that he was able to get rumple's dagger was perfect and i loved it i loved everything about what he was doing and it seemed to be he was getting his way and then they uh you know then they just kill him off and it just felt very frustrating from a storytelling standpoint but this also brings me back to because i didn't say what character i enjoyed seeing the the scene where we had the dr jekyll dr frankenstein bromance <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am always happy when they remember that Dr. Frankenstein is part of Story Pro. <laughs> yeah. So I-, I wish we had had more of that, actually, because, like, the whole idea of... And then even talking about, well, we need to, like, boost, like, our like our education services in Storybrooke. And it's, like, thinking of, like, Dr. Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll being science teachers at a school. Science that first. idea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> The kind of horrific things those kids would learn how to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I did just as an aside, I always kind of thought Jekyll and Hyde would have made more sense in the black and white universe, you know, that yeah. uh, that Frankenstein comes from rather than the, I, the land of untold stories. But that said, I, I guess... Well, I did. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna be repeat. I'm just gonna repeat myself if I say anything more. So someone else better say something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like they they kind of dropped the ball on that whole. Even though we did, I think we saw in Grannies, we saw the three guys with the swords, sort yeah. of you know, put their swords up at the three musketeers thing and everything else. But I don't know. I mean, Hyde's Well, what I, I guess we could assume Hyde would have done in Storybrooke what he did in the Land of Untold Stories, which was basically just lock up you know magic users. He had his asylum or whatever it was there. Mm. I mean, I don't know that that's much of a plan, but you know, really, <laughs> do evil plans have to be complicated? Can't they be simple? Well, sure. I just would have liked to have known what it was, and yeah. I would have liked to have had more of him, because like you said, he was another great actor. I mean, he was another one that could operate on that Rumple and Regina level, yeah. and I would have liked to have kept him in the mix. But, um, yeah, so, so I mean, they went off, they did the Evil Queen. Oh, oh, God. How, I mean, we've sort of danced around it. I almost forgot to mention Aladdin and Jasmine, um, which I, I've been waiting for, like, six seasons you know, I mean, these were characters that I wanted to be introduced, uh, you know, back in the beginning uh, as characters in Storybrooks. I would have loved to have seen, like, how their messed up ironic ending would have been. But, uh, you know, and I've been annoyed as they've gone through season after season. In some ways, it's a good thing because I think they dropped the ball on some of the characters they introduced later. Like, I think that Ariel was done yeah. incredibly poorly. And so I'm glad they we didn't get, like, an awful version of Aladdin and Jasmine like they did there. But um, I, I've really enjoyed uh, what they did with Aladdin and Jasmine and the idea of him being a hero that sort of turned his back on it, which is really kind of fitting 
when you think about it as the street rat, uh, you know, character that he was, and the fact that, you know, you sort of tell him that you can be a hero, and, you know, someone just basically saying, you know what, that's just not me. (laughs) I love the actor they have for Aladdin. I just, Mm -hmm. I giggled for ever when uh, when Regina showed up and said that she was also his master. <laughs> his, the expression <laughs> on his face was golden. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I liked that. Um, what do you think, Ryan, of, of Aladdin and Jasmine? <laughs> um, you know, I thought the casting was good, but that's about it. I don't mm. know. I, I guess I, it's kind of the same thing with Ariel. And I realize the problem is, to an extent, me, because... I'm expecting them to do so much more with so I mean so little time. Uh, mm. They they give the entire series to the snows, and I, I to be in reality all the or most of these characters, especially uh, Jasmine and and Aladdin, could do their own series or at least a season. I, I would I, I guess I just feel like. Aladdin deserves Aladdin and Jasmine deserve the frozen treatment, not in the sense that it's you know taking it to that high school level, but in the sense that they should have get a whole arc, a whole season arc themselves, not just peripheral characters that show up every third episode. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, my biggest problem with the Aladdin stuff was how it didn't really match up with what they had already done in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland with yeah. Jafar and uh, King, I forget his name. And I get that both of them, like the actors, they couldn't get back and that was fine but uh, you know to recast but at the same time it's like even the storyline didn't seem to match up with what we had already learned of those characters in that series and again i feel like they're just kind of sweeping wonderland under a rug like they want to just ignore that it happened um which i don't i mean i know that its ratings weren't high but at the same time i don't understand why they're sort of taking it to that level where they're just pretending you know like uh the stuff we've sort of revealed about jafar and about agrabah it's not really you know canon anymore and i I don't know why they're taking it to that level but they kind of frustrated me just because i didn't see the need (laughs) to do that um but uh, you know, I like that. I like that Jasmine's proactive, you know, and that she's <laughs> looking for him. Um, you know, I I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I mean, Jasmine. You know, I've always you know had a thing for Jasmine, so you know, I was happy to have her in it. And they did have her in the costume uh, for an episode, yeah. so that was good. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, it, it just yeah, it wasn't terrible as far as you know once upon a time standards go but it just didn't <laughs> didn't really grab me it the flash i guess the the one they had what one flashback episode where they went in search of uh you know the um treasure mm-hmm. and uh, again i think it just needed more i feel like there's so much potential there and they're barely scratching the surface with what they could do but those of all of them i i get why the show focuses around snow and charming they're, they were the snow white was the first disney you know movie it makes perfect sense but I, I yeah in a lot of ways little mermaid and aladdin they kind of reinvented or reinvigorated uh their movie franchise you know back in mm-hmm. the 90s so i just feel like man i wanted so much more and it just didn't give it to me yeah i mean i feel like i said you know they got different actors but i feel like it really hurt them that they couldn't get that jafar back because that original actor who played jafar in wonderland was <laughs> another one of those actors who can operate on that level yeah. you know that's just oh, well, um, it's, it's uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah the guy from yeah naveen andrews is that his name i think naveen uh, andrews, something like that yeah yeah mm-hmm. Which is not to say that Oded Fair isn't a great actor, but uh, you can't go wrong with either of them. 
Uh, well, I, I don't feel like he brings that same villainy that um, we were getting before. He he seemed a lot drier as a villain, um, okay. which I still expect that we're going to see Jafar at some point, and I really would like to see them acknowledge it as a post Wonderland Jafar who's been turned into a genie. And I'm don't re- I I somewhat suspect that the reason that Agrabah doesn't exist is that he convinced whoever his master is to make that a wish. And if that's what this all turns into, then I'll be interested to see how it meets up with the main storyline. I hope yeah. it's not a complete tangent. <laughs> no, which we, well, okay. Yeah. So your your theory is that uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland happened after we saw Will in, what, season three? Four. Season four? Four? Yes, okay. season four. So yeah. it could be that Once Upon a Time in Wonderland is supposed to have happened during season five. Right. Right. That would work. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what yeah, no, uh, and then so I'm hoping we still see Jafar now. Because that's the one thing from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland that I wanted to see them follow up on was I wanted to see Jafar's lamp at some point. And you know, I, I thought it might like show up in Gold Shop or somebody would get a hold, you know, and somebody in Storybook would get a hold of it and start making wishes, you know, with Jafar and Jafar of course manipulating whoever his master is to make wishes that were in his interests. But uh, you know, if it turns out it's somebody, you know, back in the enchanted forest reality oh well but i i'm curious how that's all going to meet up though and that's what i don't understand yet because it does seem like aladdin and jasmine have a storyline that's completely disconnected from everybody else right now other than that he needed to just give emma some advice and you know that was it yeah it seems like they're moving more into that black fairy storyline which i'm actually really interested in because i do think blue is shady and i'm really interested to see more of her backstory (laughs) (laughs) yeah i gotta say you know when they first said that they were going to have morpheus i wondered why it wasn't Lawrence fishburne but uh, (laughs) because that's warner brothers (laughs) he's doing dc i mean he's doing tv work now so you know they might be able but anyway but uh you know and i thought that the you know oh i'm really your unborn child stuff was lame but then when it went to he's the dark figure from emma's vision and that the realm that the dark fairy lives in is like beyond time and which is how he can age so rapidly and come back as an adult and now it's like oh okay well maybe this could get a little interesting now you know, getting into the background of the fairies, getting into how it's going to affect Belle and Rumple, and the idea of, like, basically, you're, you know, even though your child isn't necessarily gone, the idea of the childhood of your child is gone, you know, and being a parent and, and having to deal with that, which technically Snow and Charming had to deal with, but yeah. I've never really felt emotionally like they had to deal with it. Like, it's the show has never given me that out of them. It's just kind of like they just accepted, oh, this is our daughter and she's 28 years old, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, they're both much more optimistic people than yeah. either Rumple or Bell. I feel weird saying that, but it's true. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just saying you don't think gold is optimistic. No, no, no. I meant <laughs> Bell. Bell is like delusionally uh, okay. optimistic about people. <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. That is true. Her, she's no one's been more optimistic regarding gold than her. I see yeah. where you're going now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that, because I have absolutely no clue what's going on. And if if Regine, or if the Evil Queen was just, like, basically, like, a stall, like, for half a season just to get us to this, I, I will be very disappointed. I'm hoping she still factors into it. Because otherwise, you know, if it's really, if she never, if, if she just remains a snake in a cage, <laughs> while that is a fitting ending, and I do 
like that Charming's wish was that she gets everything she deserves. Uh, at the same time, I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I, it'll feel like this was a lot of filler just to get to the main story. Yeah, but sometimes you need that filler to flesh things out. They had all of those untold stories that they could fill with, so that would be really <laughs> Well... Okay, fair fair point. But it does give give them a chance to validate the Regina redemption arc by creating by giving her darkness, you know, physical manifestation. I mean, if charming if that wish had been I hope Regina gets, you know, everything she deserves, it would there, there would have been there would still would have been a snake in the cage, but it wouldn't have been the evil queen, it would have been Regina. Mm. She still would have deserved she deserves it as much as the evil queen did. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a way of putting to bed the the whole she is a good guy now, accept it, forget her past and move on. Yeah. So <laughs> or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you guys have any hopes going into the back half of the season? Um, Angie, we'll start with you. I want to I hope we learn more about um blue i want to see the black fairy's backstory and blue's backstory um i'm 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 not sure if i'm on board with black fairy being rumple's mom yet but i'm super excited to see more about the fairies um i hope that i kind of hope it seems like the writing's getting a little bit more mature again and we're not necessarily reducing everybody to one word characteristics um so i'm kind of hoping that we focus less on the charmings and their goody two-shoesness and kind of focus more on adult relationships i'm kind of i you're probably gonna cut this because it's rambly (laughs) sorry um it's fine i'm i'm ambivalent about the last episode i'm i'm really intrigued and i want to see more but i'm worried about what they're gonna do with robin hood i'm worried about what they're gonna do with Rumple and his mother. Um, and I'm worried that we're just going to have a retread of that Angel plotline with Connor, which I'm, I'm, I feel like Angel just did it better without seeing what once does with it. <laughs> oh, oh, you brought up some really good things. So, no, I definitely want to tee up on this. So, the Connor thing. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. No, that's... But that's only... But see, Connor... No, I'm thinking about it, because I was going to say, well, Connor wasn't really a villain, but kind of. Because it seems like, you know, I mean, Emma's vision is at least we're thinking, because the robes are the robes that uh, the kid is wearing. Uh, I, I forget, did they name the son? Gideon, I think. Gideon, thank you. Yes, that's right. From her story she loved. That's right. Um, yeah, Gideon, uh, it's the same robes that Emma's seeing in her vision, so we assume that uh, this is the person who stabs her in the vision, although I suppose it could be somebody else just putting on the robes, and it could be a misdirection. So, but yeah, no, I, I guess I mean, in the early episodes, you could easily sort of construe Connor's actions as villainous, so... Yeah, interesting. No, no, that's that's a good point. Ryan, you you never saw Angel, did you, Ryan? Yeah, I no, I kinda I can surmise, you know, from context what you're talking about. Clearly, there is a kid named Connor who was aged quickly and may have done bad things. So yeah, it's it's a common trope in you know the genre. But um yeah, so <laughs> I got nothing to say to the Connor part of the conversation. Yeah. Do either of you have an idea about what that sword is? Because I, you know, it can't be Excalibur. We've already done that. 
you know, the sword that can cut people who have been split and is the one that stabs Emma. Do I've been trying to think of other famous swords and can't really come up with anything that that could be. I mean, I kind of assumed it was related to the shears just because it could hurt the evil queen, but not Regina. Mm. Something about separating portions of yourself. No. I think they probably are going... It's probably going to turn out to be some famous sword from myth or legend or of some kind, but I can't think of what yeah. it is. They would have to you know, kind of scrounge there. I mean, once you get past Excalibur, it's kind of all downhill for magical swords. <laughs> right, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that the way they did Emma's wish was a complete cheat. Also, because the wish was, I wish that I had never become the state or something along those lines, but it wasn't create a fantasy realm where that happened. It was, it should have actually altered the reality of that they were living in, in my mind, rather than creating like a whole other universe where that scenario played out. Um, But that aside, the idea that there is now this other realm where that happened is interesting because it does let them play with some characters that they can't, that they couldn't otherwise play with. But then the thing is, well, then how does, how does anything they, I don't know. It's, I, I, I was fascinated by the Robin Hood thing when it showed up because it made sense, but then I was thinking, you know, doesn't this undo everything that they were just trying to do with Regina about not needing Robin Hood to be redeemed and everything else? Because I'm 99% sure now they're going to bring him back with them to the regular world. And what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I think Rumpel's coming back too. I think we'll have mm-hmm. two rumples. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Yeah, in fact, I couldn't uh, believe that they didn't see that anyway. They left the portal open, you know, and of course, Regina is so, uh, you know, uh, uh, dazzled by the fact Robin Hood's back that they, they turn away. Rumple could have easily made himself invisible and just hopped in. Mm-hmm. And in fact, why wouldn't he? Because you think of Rumple's entire existence was to cast the curse. And in this reality, it didn't happen. So why wouldn't he pass to another reality where it did? Well, especially if you have Regina telling you that it's not real and it's all fake, right. I would probably try to get to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, it begs the question, what happens when had Regina step through, you know? Yeah, you're going to want to live. That's that's your primary impulse, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but at the same time, it does kind of make sense. And we've, we've kind of played with that aspect of two rumples before. I mean, um, Emma, when she was Dark Swan, you know, she could see Rumple as the previous Dark One before her so yeah they could do that again i mean it's getting repetitive but sure the evil queen last season two rumples this season or this half but yeah right but the rumples weren't able to interact before whereas now they would no they couldn't i know but i'm saying first we had two rumples even though they couldn't interact then we had two reginas and now we might have two rumples again but they can just interact i'm not saying it wouldn't be good but i'm just saying it's getting to be a pattern i mean the show the show does that though i mean bell with her baby just did the same thing that the the snow did in the first Mm -hmm. season they really like that sort of circular writing (laughs) oh god it feels like the flash how many times can we pick a character that we're like don't tell this character anything that's going on right now even though it's for their own good you know you know it'd be better if you told them but let's just hide everything going on right now but (laughs) i mean that that just kind of brings me back to my answer to your original question there um you know do i have any hopes for the second half of the season and the flat out honest answer is no i don't have a single (laughs) hope for the show it's not that i don't enjoy it it's just they at 
every time they have a break, they set up something which my imagination runs away with, which gets to be so epic, and then it comes back and they barely tell that, or they wrap it up in one episode, and then it's back to the Snow and Charming show. Yeah, so I'm just going to go into it with no expectations and no hopes. You know? <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it you know, for that reason. <laughs> I have no hope for this show at all. <laughs> and so I will enjoy it all the more. <laughs> right. Yeah, the other thing that annoyed me, though, in the parallel reality is that Rumpel's like, oh, just wait right here and I'll get a magic bean. And I'm like, what the crap? <laughs> Rumpel didn't know about any magic beans, okay? We can come up with other reasons why he came up with the curse, but he didn't have any more magic beans. That I know for sure. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, no, they're everywhere. You know, it's... Uh... <laughs> Depends on the season, okay? They were in season, <laughs> then they weren't. Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, yeah. If he had had ways of crossing worlds, even if he didn't want to go himself to go to a world without magic, he would have sent somebody to find his... I don't know. Something. He would have done something. But... He'd have found a way, huh? <laughs> yeah. He would have found a way. Um, but anyway. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, and... The, <laughs> if you really want to come up with your own fan fiction, maybe <laughs> maybe the magic seeds need a savior before they can show up or they can grow or something like that. To the best of my knowledge, there's never been a savior, or there hasn't been in a long time, a savior in the enchanted forest. Yeah, you know, and then suddenly Emma's there, and suddenly there are magic beans. I don't know. It's a thought. Go with it or don't. You know. <laughs> but I mean, we we've had Aladdin and Agrabah and Emma in the real world. And, I mean, we've established... At first, Emma was like... When they created Emma as the savior, it, this was a new thing. And I, they, there was the implication that this was... She was the first savior and the only savior. But now, they kind of established that every major curse has a savior. I mean, mm-hmm. didn't... Wasn't Henry the savior or was it Regina? I can't remember which that broke Zelina's curse. Uh, Regina was the one who broke the second yeah. curse. Yeah. And so, you know... So, uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of get the impression that being a savior isn't as special as we thought it was. Yeah. No, I know, and Haida's like, I know saviors very well, you know, and it's like, as if, you know, oh, yeah, God, I see them all the time, there's saviors everywhere, you know. It's like living in L.A., you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Just like us, they pump gas. Yeah, Hyde's a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he kind of, yeah, he's, at the very least, he's steampunk, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over saviors. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I mean, my hopes, I think I've already really talked about them, is I would love to see them actually acknowledge Wonderland uh, in the in the Jafar aspect. I don't care to ever see any of those other characters again, but at least with Jafar, because I think he's a villain that has a lot of potential. Um, if they could actually incorporate him into the main storyline, um, I would definitely be okay with that. I definitely would like to see um, you know, a, you know, old Rumple versus new Rumple. You know, I, I think that would be an interesting dichotomy. You know, for them to have uh, because unlike Regina versus the Evil Queen, where one's good, and one's bad, it's like I'm bad and I'm worse. <laughs> it's like who can who can who can you know be the the eviler Rumpelstiltskin kind of thing. So that might be a fun thing to play with. And who knows, maybe Belle will, will end up with the impish Rumple because he's the man she fell in love with. Who knows? But, she could break his curse. <laughs> right. Ah, true, true. And that would be an out there uh, also for her to actually get her happy ending. Because um, I, don't, I don't see how it happens with the guy that we have who has willingly decided to not let that happen. 
but I don't know. We'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I think, you know, I'd like to see some more characters from the past. Sydney Glass, definitely, because I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, and uh, as many more as they can fit in. They, they've said that... This is what they've. This is what they've. Uh, the creators have said in an interview that even if this isn't the last season, they said that if it gets renewed, that it's going to be the last of the Charming family. Now, we've talked about how tired we are of the Charmings, and take this with a grain of salt because they can say whatever they want in an interview and then decide to you know redo the status quo, but. I wouldn't mind them teeing up some other fantasy characters or focusing on characters we've already seen but haven't gotten as much with. Um, you know, so it'll... I, I'm kind of curious how they plan on ending this season just so that they can uh, so they can wrap that up. So my thoughts have always been that if the show does end, it should end with Henry, like, reading these stories to his children, um, you know, like, years that's later. that's how I met your mother. Right? <laughs> 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 right you know that was always sort of my ideas like henry's reading these stories to his kids and and i thought that would be sort of a nice way of acknowledging the you know the 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 aspect of the show as both in this reality it's real but it's also fiction and uh you know just showing that life sort of comes full circle but i don't know we'll have to see how that goes um so anything else anyone wants to say about once upon a time I would like, okay, I guess this is a hope or whatever, but or okay. <laughs> a desire, perhaps. You know? But, you know, way back at the beginning of the podcast, episode, you know, three or four episodes or hours ago, um, you mentioned uh, the fact that they've not really explored beyond, or rather how, how they explored other worlds. And I would like them to explore magic in the real world beyond Storybook more. Every now and then they go to New York or Boston or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there have been hints. I mean, you know, Wendy and her brothers are, have left into the real world. Um, the dragon was originally in the real world. I mean, there are clearly there are stories of uh, Ursula lived in the real world for a little while. So there are characters and storylines out there. Yeah, that I would like them to to touch upon more, and I think if they did wrap it up and got rid of the charmings, which is which I do think they you know might want to consider doing, maybe they could do something along along those lines. Bring in someone from the real world who either isn't familiar with uh, the enchanted forest, or has forgotten it, or whatever, to sort of do a kind of a soft reboot of the show. Or they could just bring August back and have his travels throughout the world. Yeah. Because we don't know. They they unpinocchio-fied him, and then he disappeared again. And, and again, this is one of the frustrations. They keep on bringing back these major characters that they haven't done anything with, and they'll be back for, like, an episode or two, and then they forget about them again. So is August still in Storybrooke? Is he, you know, with his dad now? Or did he go back to travel the world again? You know, what is he doing? <laughs> we don't know. But if he's traveling the world again, he would be an interesting character to sort of do that through his eyes. But he would need a reason um it couldn't just be random travels i mean i think i think to to make it a series they would have to give him a purpose something he's looking for or something along those lines oh yeah that's like another fan favorite that will never ever happen is getting the mad hatter back oh yes (laughs) yes yeah that's a character with so much potential that is completely unused i heard a rumor that he and uh Sebastian Stan and Jennifer Morrison are actually dating. Oh, I, you know, I like that combo way better than Hook. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, and here's the funny thing, because his thing was all about how, you know, horrible it was to live with two lives in your head. But everybody in Storybrooke now pretty much has that reality. Now, especially that they've put back people like uh, the Merry Men that didn't go through the real curse. Yeah. And I guess the people from the Land of Untold Stories don't have that. But most of the people who live in Storybrooke have that. They never really deal with that dichotomy, you know, of having two lives and being able to reconcile them and whatnot. Other than Snow deciding to be called Snow now instead of Mary Margaret, which I think yeah. people just decided because it's a mouthful to say Mary Margaret. So they were just like, I ah, just call her Snow again. <laughs> But he's still David. Right, but he's still David. <laughs> well, except that was his real name, even in the Enchanted Forest, was David. Charming oh, was just okay, a nickname that was, she gave him. Okay, and I guess, did his character in the coma in season one ever have a name? Or was he just coma patient? Uh, no, it was David also. No, his name in both the curse and non-curse was David. But he was Prince. people knew him as Prince James because he was replacing the twin brother. Okay. And then he was... Uh, but then he was called Charming because that was the nickname Snow gave him. And so, yeah. But David, he's the one character whose curse name and non curse name was the same. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky guys. <Right. laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, the Mad Hatter, yeah, that was... And, of course, when they did Wonderland, they didn't even acknowledge Mad Hatter or anything with that. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Because, yeah, I do every once in a while think about how awesome that character was. And, you know, they never do anything. Uh, Angie, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with Once Upon a Time? Uh, I think the costuming continues to be on point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> my wife it's true my too. wife randomly will be like uh oh i love that dress you know when we're watching once upon a time yeah they're good yeah <laughs> well i would hope with access to like you know disney resources that they would be able to come up with good costumes that's that's one thing that i think that uh, disney has like a history that they could you know, draw on there but it's not their costumes they usually fail on i mean even the the steampunk aesthetic for the people from um the land of untold stories was good mm-hmm. it, it, it's when they get they have to do a scene entirely in green screen where it's just kind of that's where i'm wondering where their money goes i mean uh <laughs> the, the aladdin jasmine flashback scene that was almost painful <laughs> to watch it just looks so look, it looked like you know 2000 for technology. <laughs> My favorite is still that scene from the first episode, which they actually recreated when Regina comes to threaten Emma in the dream world, uh, or the fantasy world she created, where Regina walks across the ballroom towards, uh, you know, the central oh, area, yeah. <laughs> and you can tell they're sort of, like, moving the, you know, uh, the, the, the screen on their Windows computer, um, you know, and it's not the, 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 the gate that she's walking and how the background is moving aren't lined up (laughs) they're two different speeds Mm. (laughs) and so it looks really weird it looks like not only is she walking but she's also partially gliding like pick one she could glide across the floor that would be cool or she could walk across the floor but don't do like a mix because that doesn't make any sense (laughs) she's playing hopscotch Overall, I mean, as much as we sort of torn the show up a little bit, I'm enjoying this season uh, so far. This isn't one of the ones that I felt like uh, you know has has failed, and it looks like they're do even though they are doing sort of an A and B. Uh, plotline, it feels like this is less of that and more of a continuous season than the last few, where, like, season three was definitely, 
Neverland, and then Wicked, you know, and it was very much a hard line drawn between where Neverland ended and Wicked began, and then it was Frozen versus the three evil, uh, I don't know, three evil women, I don't know how you, t- <laughs> I don't know what the name for that storyline was, and then it was Dark Swan versus Hades, you know, and those seem to end more abruptly at the half season, whereas this one seems to have a lot of stuff continuing on at the end of the half season, and I liked that better because... I felt like in the previous seasons they had to rush their endings. I I think... Uh, I was just going to say, I think the stories work better when they take place in Storybrooke and they don't have to go away Mm -hmm. uh, to another land. I agree with that entirely. I've been saying that for a while, and that's why, like I said, I wish they had populated Storybrooke more fully with a lot of the characters they wanted to deal with before they had done the everybody gets their memories back and magic is back and all of that. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I know that they were afraid that if they did another season of, you know, Emma wandering around Storybrooke and meeting new characters who thought they were real people in the real world, it would... You know, it would get boring and, and they wouldn't get a third season. But, uh, you know, I, I, I liked that first season so much, I could have definitely gone one more season in that same format before they changed it up. But, you know, it is what it is. All right. Well, if nobody's got anything more to say, then that is a wrap for this week. Definitely uh, at the, I think at the summer, we'll probably revisit Once Upon a Time and talk about uh you know where it went and uh, what we think of how it ended up um but i think this was good especially since we're kind of talking about five and a half seasons worth of stuff here (laughs) even though we kind of focused (laughs) towards the end so (laughs) it was it was quite a bit to talk about here but uh you know, uh, uh, next week we'll actually be back uh, again to talk about Gotham, which is another one of those podcasts that was delayed that should have come out weeks ago. But you know, it's I've recorded it, so we're gonna play it. <laughs> and your regular viewers will not hear me on yes, that one. That's right. So they'll get a break. It's the first, it's the first <laughs> one without Ryan. <laughs> but. Don't miss me too much. (laughs) So just a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I think I still have like 10 more episodes that we already recorded that I need to get out there. So, um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. But a lot of these are less time dependent uh, than these sort of TV review ones have been. So I think that uh, I don't think that it'll be that noticeable other than the one where I talk about Pokemon Go for a few minutes. That'll be kind of glaring that it's from, you know, months ago. <laughs> it's like I don't even know that I people play Pokemon, Pokemon Go anymore. I don't hear about it anymore. So you know, uh, I'll talk about it if you want. <laughs> My new apartment sits on a Pokestop. Oh. It's been the best okay. thing ever. <laughs> but it was a phenomenon months ago that everybody was talking about. So I mentioned it uh, and talked about it for a few minutes. But anyway, so. Um, all right well uh ryan and angie thank you for being on the episode today thanks for having us yeah it's been a blast and uh why don't uh, you sign off and let people know where they can find you if anywhere on the internet so uh ryan let's start with you well uh internet first off even though we've been as nathan said we've been very very rough on once upon a time it's a great show i watch it because I love it, and you should too. Um, you can find me on <laughs> the 42 cast, or you can follow Nathan uh, around, and you'll probably see me telling him how wrong he is, <laughs> and several of the other contributors. Uh, you can find me on my website, which is grossly out of date, <laughs> geekstranger.com. Now that I'm in a new city, maybe I can get around to updating that some. I'm on Twitter at Geek Stranger, and from there you can find my Facebook page, 
where I have opinions about geeky things and politics. So just there's your warning for that, you know. And otherwise, uh, I expect to have you here listening to me and just wondering about how awesome I am because I am very awesome. <laughs> Is the latest thing on your Geek Stranger page still your Batman versus Superman review? It's not even a review. I didn't even it didn't even deserve a review. It was just random. It was a live blog. I just took down thoughts. I took looked at my notes. I was like, yeah, I'm not even going to bother typing anything up about this. I'm just going to post this. You know? <laughs> yeah. So when he says uh, a little yes, out of date, the- <laughs> he means a yeah. lot. <laughs> So basically, Batman for Superman killed my website. You know? <laughs> so yeah, as it does. Did you hear that it was the winner of the Razzie Awards? <laughs> I did, and I I was in the grocery store when I saw that, and I laughed, <laughs> and people looked at me. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it took it took home four Razzies this year. <laughs> it all deserved. Right. <laughs> and having said that, I'll still defend it to some people. You know, well, it's one of those things where, it, to me, it's like the Green Lantern movie. It's bad, but it's not as bad as people say it is. So I always end up in this weird dichotomy where people, you know, where people will like rag on something too hard, and I'm like, I'm defending it, even though I don't like it that yeah. much myself. But I'm like, come on, it's not the worst movie of all time. Stop saying so that. I hate you. you know? I hate you for making me defend this. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. Oh, Although you're wrong about Green Lantern, but oh, go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me want to have you on a Green Lantern movie podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. I, and you want to take a guess what would be your lowest rating one? <laughs> It'll be that one. <laughs> oh wow, wow. I... Well, a Green Lantern, Green Lantern movie. I mean, maybe if we'd done it, you know, when it first came out, but you know, unless uh, unless we do it when they with right around Justice League when that comes out, that could work. <laughs> I don't know. I still think there are a lot of superhero movies that are way worse than Green Lantern, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Looking at you, Electra. But anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, you're right there. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I'm Looking at you, original version of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> hey, anything with Hasselhoff is great. <laughs> no, no, actually, I like that. That's a guilty pleasure, but anyway. Alright, we're segueing way too much on the end <laughs> Edit all that out. You know? Cut it all. Actually, no, I I cut nothing but ums and awkward pauses. Um, <laughs> gee, uh, why don't you sign off, Ed, if there's anywhere that uh, you want to promote or let people know that they could find you, uh, give that to. I'm mostly a serial lurker <laughs> on the internet, so chances are more that I'm following you than you're following me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. It's <laughs> like the creepiest way that anyone's ever signed off. <laughs> I didn't mean it's, it to be creepy. I guess it's kind of creepy. It's like it's like, hey, hey, you listening right now? Look behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there. Like, no, I turned around with uh, blogging, but um, no, nah, I don't. I don't have an internet presence to plug. Yeah, I thought that was probably the case, but uh, I thought I'd at least give you the chance of uh, you know. No, now you just made me sound like the world's biggest creeper. So. <laughs> hey, well, I didn't do that. You did that all yourself. Yeah. To be fair. You do have a monitor going where you're watching another human being sleep as we speak. That's pretty creepy. That's true, but I am legally responsible for the safety. So. Details. You know? <laughs> Ryan's version is much more interesting, but anyway. <laughs> All right, well...
All right, and so that's a wrap on another episode of the 42 cast. Um, once again, uh, I know I say this every week, but we definitely want to hear from you. Um, you know, send us an email at everything at 42cast.com or leave us a review at either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Um, we can't improve without knowing what you like and what you don't like, uh, so I'd definitely like to get that feedback. Also, it will help us to promote the show. Um, I know at least with iTunes, the more reviews, the higher we get on their list of suggestions. So um, I'd definitely like to do that as well, um, just to get the, the word out there and get more people listening to the podcast. Uh, but beyond that, we will be back next week. As I said before, it'll be an episode talking about Gotham. So uh, until then, take care. You've been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2017. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is sharper swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.